Good morning. I'm so sorry if you did not get the memo that I was speaking. I'll give you a couple minutes if you want to leave. Or get a pillow. Your, <laughs> your choice. Today will be, and by the way, I mean, who more exemplifies youth than me? I mean, it seems fitting that they asked me to, to speak today. I mean, duh. I'm so youthful myself. Anyway, today we're continuing our, uh, our sermon series is 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health, or also the longest sermon title series ever. Uh, but we've been talking about uh, these kind of questions. Is, do you thirst for God? Are you governed increasingly by God's word? Are you more loving? Are you more sensitive to God's presence? Do you have a growing concern for the spiritual and temporal needs of people? Do you delight in the bride of Christ? Are, you, are the spiritual disciplines increasingly important to you? So those questions we've been dealing with, and this week we'll talk about uh, question number eight. Now, when I first uh, heard that I was speaking today, and I heard the original topic was supposed to be forgiveness, I'm like, you're kidding me. I think, uh, I mean, I only do like two or three of these a year, and I think over the past five years I've talked about forgiveness like three times. So I'm like, and last time I kind of got in trouble because people listened to me and did what I asked them to do, and it kind (laughs) of, so people had to forgive me for talking. Anyway, it was a vicious cycle. So Mark's like, well, hey, you could make up your own thing. And I was like, okay, well, I've really been wanting to talk about procrastination, but I just haven't gotten the message done yet. And then I thought, you know what? I am really, really good at being humble. So maybe I should talk about humility and how you all can be more like me. Uh, Because I am the most humble person that you know. Uh, Really. No. No. So anyway, I'm going to stick with forgiveness. Okay. Again. But I I hope not to to cause any problems this time. (laughs) But the more I started ta- thinking about forgiveness and some of the approaches that I've went with the last uh, couple times, I, I started thinking about this, and the idea of forgiveness just makes sense in this series because the way that we um, you know, diagnose our spiritual health is oftentimes in our relationships, right? Are you more loving? Do you, do you delight in the bride of Christ, which is us, the church? Um, there's relationships there. So... We are made to be relational beings, so forgiveness naturally is important because forgiveness a lot of times is hard for us to do. And when we can't forgive others, then that gets in the way, and obviously our spiritual health uh, is, is affected by that. So, but when I was thinking about it, I was like, well, you know, really there's different kinds of forgiveness. There's different types And so I want to talk about those today. And this is a little bit more of a teaching lesson, which I I kind of don't do that often. But I think it's important for us to understand uh, sort of these differences. Now, they're not compartmentalized. It's not like this is one thing and this is two and this is three and they don't have any connection. They're they're overlapping. They work together. And and I'll try to explain why. But the first kind of forgiveness that, that I started thinking about is what I would call like legal forgiveness. Now, this is the forgiveness um, of a debt. 
Or if you break a law and you go to court and you're forgiven for it. The idea behind it is that it's one person understands that they did something wrong, asks for forgiveness, and you forgive them. Now, Jesus talked about this an awful lot. And he spent most of his time dealing with this sort of legal forgiveness. And he used a Greek word for this. Now, I I love Greek. That's the only class I took at Lincoln Christian, now university, then college, that I actually got an A in. The only class. But I loved Greek. And the more I started looking at some of these words today and these Greek words, I thought, man, this is pretty cool. So I wanted to share it with you. Uh, the, The word that Jesus uses a lot of times for forgiveness, and if you look in the back of your Bible and you just look at the word forgive or forgiveness or forgiving, oh my goodness, there are a lot of passages about it. I mean, we could just pick passage after passage to throw at you about forgiveness. That's how important it is to Jesus and to Paul and, and to Peter and the rest of the authors of the Old and New Testament. It's, it's important to us to understand. So I want to read to you this question posed by Matthew to Jesus in Matthew chapter somewhere, I lost it, Matthew chapter 18. Okay. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Now that question goes back to, all the way back to the Old Testament. When Cain killed Abel, he was, he was banished from the garden. And Cain's like, well, what? there's a mark on his head. And he's like, well, what if people kill me? And, and God says, well, they will be avenged seven seven times. And the idea behind that whole forgiveness thing is that's kind of how the perfect number you know is seven in the Bible. So Peter's uh, genuinely asking. Somebody has sinned against him. He wants to know how many times he has to forgive him. So Jesus answered, I will tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now some translations, if you have it, may say 70 times seven. Um, And then he tells this parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who once wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owned him, owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered, uh, ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So this is a legal type dispute. A man owed this master a great deal of money. I mean, this was a lot of money that there was no way that he could repay. I mean, this is like Sally Mae, right? This is like the student loans. You owe so much that you can't possibly begin to repay them, okay? So they go... He goes to the master, he's like, I can't pay it. There's just no way I can pay this. Have mercy on me. And now, again, you see that the results of this, the master could have had his entire family sold to slavery. He could have been imprisoned for the rest of his life for not being able to pay this price. But the master forgives him. And we learn an important truth about this kind of forgiveness, and that is that the This kind of forgiveness usually, almost always, only benefits the one that is forgiven. Think about it. As a matter of fact, 
the person that forgives, in this case the master in Matthew chapter 18, is losing a lot. He is losing a lot of money by forgiving this debt, right? Jesus talks about this word forgiveness an awful lot. And this word that he uses is aphemi. And that's the, the Greek word for it. I may be saying it wrong, but I got an A and it's written. It's not spoken. Anyway, it, and it literally means to leave or to forgive. So basically, I'm leaving it here and forgiving it. Right? That's the idea of it. It's the very legalistic approach to forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus uses this word to teach us, much like he does in the Sermon on the Mount and in all of his other stories, how to go from legalistic things to relational things. Right? The legalistic side of it is here, but Jesus wants us to understand why those laws existed and to understand the relationship aspect of it. And so I think that's important as we deal with this kind of legalistic forgiveness This is usually a one-time event. This kind of forgiveness is, I've broken the law once, I ask for forgiveness, you forgive me. Now, obviously, there's repeat offenders, but repeat offenders would be coming back to ask for forgiveness again, right? You know you've messed up, you come back and you ask for forgiveness. Now, this kind of forgiveness is the kind of forgiveness that God offers us. We have broken his law. We have sinned against him, and we do so daily, let's face it. We owe a debt that is too great to pay because of our sin, and we come to God through the blood of Jesus and say, God, I have messed up. Will you please forgive me? And God says, yep. And what did it cost him? His one and only son. His one and only son. It cost him a great deal to forgive us. To offer that forgiveness. And so, he wants us to learn how to forgive. Jesus continues that parable. He says, his fellow servant fell on his knees. Be patient with... uh, Anyway, he says, but when that servant went out... He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is nothing. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You see that he moves from a legalistic approach to a more relational approach. You see, this man had every right to call this dead in and every right to throw this man into prison. And yet Jesus says, you have been forgiven so much, but you don't get it. You don't get 
how, you don't understand how to transfer that to somebody else. And that moves us into the next type of, of forgiveness that I want to talk about. And that is what I would call for unsolicited forgiveness. We probably all have people in our lives, in our relationships, sometimes close relationships, family, friends, our church family here, that has done something to offend us, that has done something to hurt us. Maybe, or maybe they know or maybe they don't know. But whatever it is, you have had that on your heart and you have been carrying that around for a long time, trying to find a way to forgive. And again, they may not even know that they've sinned against you or that they've done something to you. But you carry that around. And this unsolicited forgiveness is the fact that God wants us and Jesus wants us to learn how to forgive when people don't understand that they've done something to us. And we need to learn to, how to extend that grace and that forgiveness to people. I want to read Colossians chapter 3. Starting with verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Unlike the first kind of forgiveness or the first type of forgiveness where legal, where it's often a one-time event, this kind of forgiveness can take time. You know, if you've been in this situation, that you just, a lot of times, if somebody has hurt you, you just can't snap your fingers and say, I forgive you. It takes time. It takes time to learn how to forgive, to learn to heal Maybe, you're, maybe you want to amend the relationship. Maybe the relationship needs mended. Or maybe you understand that wisdom tells you that the relationship is probably not healthy in the first place. But you still need to forgive. And this kind of forgiveness takes time. But who does it benefit more? It benefits the person giving the forgiveness. The forgiver. Right? If you've ever found in your life forgiving somebody where you've finally gotten to that point where you've forgiven them, there is a burden lifted, is there not? You feel almost free. You feel happiness, joy, contentment in the fact that you were able to do this. Now, there could be a benefit to the other person. Like, if I knew that I hurt you, and I was asking for forgiveness, and you gave it to me in this way, or you just came up to me and said, I forgive you for this that I didn't even know I did, I would have some relief from that as well. I would benefit from that, obviously. But the most benefit is to the person giving the forgiveness. Because we know that that can eat away at you. Physically, mentally, it could take years off your life. So the question is, though, how do we get better at this? I mean, some of, us ha some of us are good at it. 
Some of us are pretty good at forgiving. Others, not so much. How do we get better? And I think the answer lies in this third type of forgiveness. I would call this like an everyday or momentary forgiveness. These are the kinds of forgiveness that we are able to do every day. We have an opportunity to extend forgiveness in this area, in this type, every day. I want to read for you Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start with verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This type of forgiveness we have the opportunity for every day. In this room, in our families, in our lives, let's just face it, Our lives is filled with people, and people are annoying. Right? Yes. There are little things that get on our nerves. There are little things that we see and like... And what happens to those? They build. Maybe even if it's not even the same person, they start to build on top of each other. And by the end of the day, we're just ready to blow up at anybody, usually somebody we love. And then we end up in that spot where we have to ask for forgiveness for this momentary kind because we've messed up. We've hurt family members that we love because we've had this inability to extend forgiveness in these little areas of life. Well, what areas are we talking about? I don't know. Something like this. What about that person that has 23 items in the 20-item express lane? You know because you've counted all 23. And if you count the bunch of bananas, they have 28. I only got 20 items here, right? What about that person? What about this person? Drive to work every day, Springfield. And, and, I, and I kid you not, I hit every red light on Veterans Parkway. You know those, like, I, I've told Amy at times that we could be driving through the desert and there would be one stoplight, not a car around, a turtle would walk across the street or across the road and set that light off and I would have to stop. But then also, driving to Lincoln, you know this is going to happen You're on 121, you get behind somebody going 53 miles an hour, and you can't pass them because there's no passing all, pretty much all the way, and you're... (laughs) Opportunities for forgiveness. What about this one? 
Can you pull that next to the, uh, sorry, technical difficulties here. What about that one? Now, I was like, now you're getting, oh, you're going, you're treading on thin water here, right? We have little opportunities every day to extend forgiveness to people. And when we start to learn to do that, when we start to let go of the little things, and we start to understand, to try to understand where people are coming from in their lives, you know, maybe the ref has had a bad day, maybe the ref is, is just working to make money to help his wife who is dealing with cancer. Or maybe he's trying to put his son or daughter through college and he's just trying to make ends meet. Maybe this person at the checkout line that is writing a check just doesn't know any better. <laughs> right. Or, or what, if the, what if the person driving that's, that's cut you off or that is, is driving too fast and buzzes around you, what if they're on their way to an emergency? Or what if they just found out news and they're not really thinking straight? You see, when we start to look at people that way, then we start to see people the way Jesus sees them. Not as nuisances, not as morons, not as pests, but as children of God. That all have sinned. We are all in the same spot. We have all sinned. We've all messed up. We are all faulty, frail people. And for every time that I've withheld my forgiveness for somebody from cutting me off, I have probably cut them off. I have probably once or twice in my life went to the, went to the checkout line. After I grabbed the peanut butter cups, I had 21 items. I've never written a check in a long time, no. But those people, every day, we have the opportunity to offer forgiveness. And now the thing I want to close with is back to the Greek. This word, Paul uses a different word for forgiveness. Really, all of the authors other than Jesus in the New Testament use a different word for forgiveness. And that word is karitsamai. And it means forgive. Right? But I want to, I looked at this word closely and I started noticing something. Like, do you notice a part of that word? Some of you, you know, you have to be a Greek scholar and you probably noticed at least part of that. We talk about it an awful lot. We sang about it. We're going to sing about it again. Charis. Not to be confused with Clarice. It's different. This is Charis, okay? different. And it means grace, right? You've probably heard that word. And we understand that, right? Grace, forgiveness goes together. Well, duh. They come from the same root word, right? They go together. We understand that. But when I looked a little bit more, I started noticing that word. And again, again, I was pretty good at Greek and I remember some of it. I'm like, wait a minute. There's something about that word charis, and I looked, I'm like, oh, yeah. 
We also get the word charisma from it, which is pretty dangerous to use in the Christian church because it also comes from charismatic, right? Like Charisma. It means a gift, right? You see it? Forgiveness is a gift. It's a gift to somebody. Just like God's gift to us was forgiveness. But it goes further than this. And this is where it gets really, to me, cool. To you, you're like, nah, whatever, maybe. But I think it's pretty cool, okay? Another word, same root. It's Cairo. And it means joy or be glad or rejoice. Again, there are times in our life where we have offered forgiveness to somebody and it's joy-filled. I wonder if we can start to look at those momentary, everyday opportunities to see people who need forgiveness from us because they're annoying us, to start looking for the joy in offering them forgiveness. Make sense? I start to look at the other side of it. Start to see the joy in people. Like, oh yeah, this has taken a long time in the line, but you know, it's okay. Yeah, they're driving 53 and it's annoying, but you know, it's okay. Can you just kind of laugh at it? Yeah, they're doing this and that, but... And I think if we start, if we start looking at forgiveness, the joy aspect of it, I think we can start getting better at forgiving the harder things to forgive. Because then we start to see the joy aspect of it, of forgiving. Even a deep hurt, we can forgive because we see that there's joy in it. And then there's one more word. You're like, that's it. No, there's one more word that comes from this same idea. And you've probably heard this word before. It's eucharistos. Or Eucharisto. And it means thankful. Thanks. Thanksgiving. You see how all of those are related. Grace. Forgiveness. A gift. Joy. Thankfulness. One doesn't... One produces one. The other one produces another. And it's a cycle. Right? We find joy in forgiveness. We receive joy from being forgiven. We are thankful for being forgiven. We understand that it's a gift. And the cycle continues. If we can start embracing these words together, when we start talking about forgiveness and we start thinking about other people and how they've offended us and hurt us, and start moving towards grace, forgiveness, joy, then we start to move the route that Jesus wants us to move in. And we start to become more healthy spiritually. We're going to go into communion time. It seems fitting because, again, that word thankfulness, Eucharist, as you've probably heard, has been used for the communion. And again, we are called to forgive other people. All three scriptures that I read, and their list goes on and on and on of scriptures of forgiveness, all say, forgive because God forgave you. If we do not learn how to extend forgiveness to those that have hurt us, to those that have wronged us, to those every day in our life, then we are slapping the face of forgiveness. We are forgetting 
that we have owed so big of debt that it was impossible to pay, and yet God sent His only Son for us. It makes the things that other people do, even though to us it seems huge, in the grand scheme of things, it's not. And if we can learn to forgive, then we learn what it means more and more to be forgiven. And we can start sharing that forgiveness with other people. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you have not experienced that forgiveness of God. Maybe you think you're too far gone. You're not. You're not too far gone. God offers his forgiveness through Jesus. We come to him, we say, we understand that we have sinned. We understand that we've fallen short of the glory of God. And we understand that you have given your son for us. Forgive me. Now God says, okay. So if you haven't experienced that, we'll be prayer counselors at the end of service. If you want to pray with him, or if you want to find out more on, on how to do that. But we're going to take communion. We're going to sing a song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. And as you sing these words, you're singing, My chains are gone. I've been set free. I have been forgiven. I have the opportunity to extend that same chain breaking to somebody else. I can help set somebody else free because of the forgiveness that I can give them and the forgiveness of God can be offered to them. So I pray that as we take this communion, as we sing these songs, let us remember, let us hold tight and find the joy and the thankfulness in forgiveness. Let's pray. God, there's no way we deserve to even be here. We have sinned against you and we do so almost daily. We've all fallen short of your glory, and yet you sent your one and only Son so that we could have forgiveness. I pray that we, as your children, can learn to forgive each other more, to be better at embracing each other, so that we can share that forgiveness with those that do not know. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.